Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is March the 27th, 2023. Um, a Monday. What a difference a year makes when it comes to tech. It's astonishing. This time last year, we were obsessed, or many of us in the tech business were obsessed with the potential of cryptocurrency and something we called Web3. By the end of the year, though, things were beginning to fall apart. Uh, we were increasingly beginning to think of Web3 and crypto and the metaverse as utopian pipe dreams. And indeed, by December of last year, we had Sam Bankman-Fried going to jail, and it seemed as if we'd entered a crypto winter and something else had changed even more profound than the crash of crypto, which was the appearance of GPT-3, now GPT-4, and the AI revolution. In other words, Web3, which was all the rage this time last year, has become a footnote at best. We haven't heard much about NFTs, for example, non-fungible tokens, which were the agency, the driving force of the Web3 economy. And all this seems to have gone away, or at least appears to have gone away. I'm guessing that my guest today, however, will disagree. Uh, Edward Lee is the author of a new book, Creators Take Control, How NFTs Revolutionize Art, Business and Entertainment. Uh, Edward is joining us from Chicago today. Uh, Edward, uh, whether or not you still believe in NFTs, a year is a long time in the tech business, isn't it? Yeah, certainly this space is not for the weak of heart. Uh, the volatility has been tremendous. And as you point out, uh, the new shiny thing on the table is ChatGPT, AI, which has drawn a lot of the attention away from Web3. But I, I think many people in the sort of Web3 sector are probably relieved uh, the hype has died down because there certainly was speculation in 2021 with a lot of really hyped up projects. And the people who are the kind of true builders I think, are still building uh, as we speak. Uh, and I'm happy to expound on that a little bit more. But I, I think some of the attention diverted to AI is probably a good thing for those who are trying to uh, develop NFT projects as well as uh, to, to build a more decentralized web, which is com commonly called Web3. Right. So before we get to NFTs and, and get your definition of what they are and why, in your view, they're so important, maybe define what you mean by Web3. It's a term that got thrown around a lot last year. People are using it less now. As you say, it refers to a decentralized web. What does that all mean? Well, one of the things with using a term, you know, it often to sort of convey a, a movement or an attempt to reform something, it, it may turn into a buzzword that uh, people use in different ways. Uh, the way that I understand Web3, it's an aspiration or goal to uh, sort of make the experience online more decentralized, meaning specifically uh, less under the control 
of big tech platforms. So Web3 is a response to big tech platforms engaging in what's called, as you know, surveillance capitalism, in which uh, the ordinary user just does not have control over uh, personal data, for instance, as one example. And uh, Web3 is a movement to try to uh, counteract that and provide a different approach in which people don't have to give up their uh, personal data or identity to just do basic interactions online. So, uh, and for listeners or viewers who are not tech insiders, the best example of this is probably cryptocurrency, which at least in theory means that a single bank um, doesn't control a currency and you have what's known as a distributed currency. Is that fair, Ed, that crypto yes. is is the model, the exhibit A for what Web3 could look like? So before we get to NFTs, I, I take your point, all booms are followed by busts, but this isn't, an, this is an unusual bust. I mean, this crypto winter is pretty cold. What happened uh, last year to collapse the Web3 bubble? Pop it. Well, I think in part, the macroeconomic conditions were really poor. And for a time, uh, the NFT market actually was doing better than other financial markets, such as the stock market, uh, and also uh, a little bit better than cryptocurrency. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're, to put things into perspective, the NFT market is still relatively small. And yeah. in 2022, as the Fed raised interest rates, you know, the fears of a recession sort of increased. And then the financial markets really went into a bear market. And then that really cut down uh, the demand in NFTs. So I think it's hard to separate out the uh, sort of de decline in the market for NFTs from the overall uh, decline in the financial markets. So, and I don't want to tar your NFTs with the crypto brush. They are separate, although they're connected. Explain what an NFT means, Ed. It's one of these terms that people last year were throwing around a lot, but I think half the people using them didn't even know what the term meant. Yeah, to give a you know sort of brief definition of it, uh, NFT is a non-fungible token. Uh, it, it really is a computer program that is stored on blockchain that is used to create virtual ownership. And yeah, let's uh, just, I'm, I'm jumping in here because blockchain is the, the backbone of Web3. What exactly is that? Just to remind people that may not be as comfortable with these terms as, as you or I. Sure. You know, so blockchain is a peer-to-peer -peer network. Uh, so there's no one central server or tech company that controls it. Uh, different uh, peers on that network uh, use uh, different forms of uh, blockchain. Uh, Ethereum is the most popular uh, form of blockchain for NFTs. So there are different computers with that software. And the benefit of this uh, blockchain uh, is that it establishes what you would characterize as a public ledger so that anybody can look up and track a transaction for 
an NFT or for a cryptocurrency uh, ether on this blockchain. And that record is, you know, nearly permanent. Um, you know, there's some debate about uh, if somebody could successfully hack and change the records, but uh, the, the way that it's established, it's very difficult to change the public records once a transaction has been made. And to, to go to your original question, the benefit of an NFT is that it establishes one unique item that is associated with the token, the virtual token. Yeah, and this, um, this reflects your theory of, of tokenism. And this, I think, is the core of why you believe at least NFTs enable creators to take control. Are these just visual creators, Ed? I mean, what about writers? I understand it in the artistic sense, but what about when it comes to the written word? Certainly, we've seen, I, I think, fewer examples of uh, literary works uh, with uh, NFTs, sold with NFTs, but there have been a, a few. And uh, one example is Jenkins the Valet uh, issued a uh, collaborative work sold as an NFT based on the different uh, contributions of characters in the Board Ape Yacht Club. And uh, he entertained you know, submissions and uh, each one who wanted to participate in that uh, collaborative project uh, was given uh, royalties for being a part of that project. Uh, but we haven't we haven't seen, you know, to be honest, as many projects involving literary works as we have with visual works and also with music. Uh, okay, so let's let's get to the visual works. Some some of our listeners and viewers will be familiar with the sale of PAX, the merge for over $90 million, I think, in 2021, and also the historic, what uh, one commentator calls the historic Beeple sale. Um, what, what does this mean for an artist to put their work online, something like Beeple or uh, the merge? Does that... Does... NFT technology, this distributed technology, does that distinguish between the original digital copy and everything else, which is just uh, a version of that? Well, I would characterize it. It establishes a new intellectual property in the embodiment with the NFT and the digital image or file. Uh, it is a complex arrangement and what that solved was the problem that basically all digital artists faced before this, that there, each digital copy it can be infinitely copied and you can't really point to one as being you know, the original. What the NFT does is in effect establish a virtual original or digital original and has created this new market for digital artists. And to tie this back into your original question, I, I think it's clear the use of NFTs with digital art is here to stay. I mean, we have Pompadou, excuse me, uh, LACMA, MoMA, uh, the Guggenheim just uh, announced exploring digital art. Uh, that is possible because now we have a unique token that uh, can provide value to the but, owner. Uh, 
Here's where people are. You talked about a complex arrangement, Ed, which sometimes to me indicates a problem uh, when someone can't explain the arrangement. Why would anyone have value in a in quote unquote an original work, the original work of digital art, when it's identical to the copies? I mean, it's fine with a Vermeer or a Picasso, uh, where the the original physical uh, can be copied but not exactly. But when digital art can be copied exactly, it's not clear to me why beyond the symbolism there's any value to the original and whether there can even be an original when it comes to digital art. Well, I mean, I think that's a fair point, but the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the proof is, will the investor or collector believe in it and buy it as the original? Well, I mean, jumping in here, you say the proof is in the pudding. You could say the same about crypto six months ago, and then I would reverse it. I mean, there's been a crash of a lot of these, what some people might kindly call speculative ventures. Other people, more critical, might suggest they're simply Ponzi schemes. I mean, where well, is the there's got to be value. The proof is not just in the pudding, meaning that the, the prices go up because they come down too. Well, I, I didn't mean the price going up. I mean, the proof is in the pudding that you have an investor or, or collector who believes owning the NFT is more valuable than owning a digital copy. And that I think has already been proven since 2021. Uh, and as I, I said before, uh, why are some of the leading art institutions exploring NFTs and digital art. Well, again, exploring is one way. I mean, I'm sure they're exploring lots of things. I mean, what, what I found, uh, just to, to quote the the crash last year, and I'm quoting uh, uh, artsy.net in, in 2021, many assumed that NFTs would seamlessly enter the commercial art world. And yet this prediction also appears to also appeared to lose steam. According to Artsy's 2022 Gallery Insights report, just 11% of galleries sold NFTs in 2021. And 60, this is the astonishing number, 67% said that their clients had not even inquired about them. Uh, for the galleries that did sell NFTs, half said that their NFT total sales uh, value was $5,000 or less. Um, so is there really proof? I'm sure you can always find someone at MoMA in New York and San Francisco who wants to talk about NFTs. But is it really reflected in in the creative economy? Oh, I think so. I mean, to go back to the art world, the explosion in digital art and including with assistance of AI has, I think, increased the interest in that genre. And to go to go speak about MoMA, uh, they're hosting uh, the artworks of Rafik Anadol uh, and uh, his AI generated work you know, it has sparked controversy, to be honest, but it has also sparked great interest with the... Why is it, why is it sparked controversy? Explain why. Well, some of the reviews have been pretty unfavorable and not surprisingly uh, likening them to screensavers, nothing more than screensavers. Uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at it. Uh, unsupervised is the uh, exhibition and uh, it... it you know, I mean, I'll, I'll leave you to be the judge of what you think about it. But uh, this is the, to me, I think the exciting disruptive art that is blossoming. 
But and it also seems that, um, you know, we can go backwards and forwards about mm. whether or not this is real. But the title of your book, Creators Take Control, suggests that it empowers creatives. But it always seems with these mm. speculative booms or what some people might say Ponzi schemes, it's always um, the platforms and the investors um, and the speculators who win out. Why are the artists benefiting? Why are the creators taking control? Well, one of the reasons why is that they don't have to be represented by a traditional gallery, which typically takes 50% of the revenues of each sale of their art. A second reason is that with NFTs, the artists have elected to receive resale or creator royalties for every resale of their NFTs. In 2021 alone, uh, 1.5 billion uh, dollars in resale royalties were distributed to creators. So those are you know, two examples of how NFTs have empowered independent artists in ways that we don't have in, especially in the United States. The United States doesn't have resale royalties for artists. Uh, France and about 80 other countries do. Uh, so th I think those you know, two examples uh, show how it can improve the financial sustainability for independent artists. We've heard this language before, though, time after time, certainly Web 1.0, and particularly I remember Web 2.0, we were promised that musicians and writers and filmmakers would all benefit. But with Web 2.0, for example, we got the rise of YouTube, which takes more than 50% of revenue. Are you saying that this decentralized platform will enable the creators to take what 80 or 90 percent of the money on the table for the sale of their work well i mean potentially even more i mean uh, the some of the platforms take a fee such as OpenSea 2.5 although they have suspended that uh fee uh, other platforms take zero percent of the sales they're you know far more uh decentralized uh, and then i would also just add in the resale royalty is a component that does not exist for U.S. Uh, artists under our current copyright law, but does exist with NFTs. And, you know, I think $1.5 is nothing to really scoff at. I mean, it has provided a source of sustainability for independent artists, uh, especially from the United States. So the subtitle of your book, Creators Take Control, promises that NFTs will revolutionize not just art, but also business and entertainment. How is it going to change business and entertainment? Well, here, here's where I, I think with the business side of things, uh, things I think are a little bit more in flux with the uh, economic downturn. You know, I think with the art sector, I think it's still pretty clear that... Well, let, leave aside the... Uh, let's say there wasn't one. Um, how, how, how do you make money with NFTs in business? Well, one of the ways... Or, that or, or maybe let me rephrase the question because the making money is a little narrow. How, how does this revolutionize business or entertainment? Yeah, for the business side, one of the sort of major transformations that is at least a potential is to transform the relationship between the business and the so-called consumer. And instead of envisioning that relationship as a consumptive relationship, 
reimagining it as a community of uh, the companies or businesses uh, own sort of project. So let me give you one example to make this more concrete. Starbucks has launched an NFT project for its loyalty rewards program. And if you buy an NFT in this Odyssey program, uh, you are entitled to experiences and benefits that are hosted or supplied by uh, Starbucks. Uh, there are other companies uh, experimenting with fashion uh, as well. So Nike has acquired Artifact, one of the leading startup companies that produces fashion NFTs. So the idea would be that you use the NFT to engage your community of owners of NFTs in ways that are ongoing and interactive. Uh, Nike, for instance, has a patent on the crypto kick shoe that relates to an NFT. The owners of the NFT are entitled to potentially remix the design of the shoe by interacting with another NFT from Nike. But um, it doesn't sound to me very revolutionary. It's all it does is enable big companies. You talked about this being a decentralized platform. What you've just explained is enabling big companies like the two you mentioned, Nike and Starbucks, to increase their sales to their customers. Um, now, whether they're real sales, whether it's a bit of a scam is another issue, but it doesn't sound very revolutionary to me. Well, that's just scratching the surface of it. I mean, I'm happy to... Well, those are the ones you, you gave as an example. I mean, your, your book promises that NFTs will revolutionize art, which I, I accept maybe there's a case for that in theory, at least. I'm not sure in practice, but business, it's not even <laughs> clear how that would work. Well, I, I could speak a little bit further about the more radical uses of NFTs with businesses. So there's okay, an aspiration. Go on. Thank you. There, there's an aspiration to build what's called a decentralized Disney. And with that, uh, there are startups that provide uh, commercial rights to the owners of the NFTs that they sell. So instead of the traditional all rights reserved approach that are used by uh, corporations today, such as Disney, uh, you don't get to monetize Mickey Mouse just because you purchased a uh, Mickey Mouse set of ears. Uh, the top 25 NFT collections, the majority of them, use commercial licenses that grant the NFT owners the right to commercialize the artwork uh, and to even make derivative works from the artwork. Uh, and so there's been some discussion in The New Yorker and in other uh, publications whether this can, you know, sprout. Oh, but, uh, okay, but it doesn't sound, again, very convincing. You mentioned Disney. Disney's core asset is its IP. You promised, um, you promised in your work something called decentralized IP. In fact, you gave a, a popular speech. NFTs as decentralized IP. Talking about yeah. Disney, Disney are never going to allow their assets to be decentralized. They're always going to be the core value in the company. We might call it centralized IP or just traditional IP. So how can you have a decentralized Disney when Disney won't play? 
Well, I mean, Disney is a metaphor in decentralized. No, it's Disney. not Disney. It's something else. It's the idea of a dis a decentralized a no, a, network. A startup company. The, the most prominent and successful startup company is Yuga Labs, and they have been the ones that uh, are most often likened to the possible decentralized Disney. They they've been only in existence for two years, so you know we can't you know, jump the gun, so to speak, and uh, crown them as the decentralized Disney. Uh, but, you know, they have allowed their owners of NFTs to monetize them and to use them in merchandise and derivative works. So how that plays out, I think, remains to be seen. But that is the potential for a new business model that, for the 21st century that is different from the Disney model of the 20th century. But the companies, leaving aside Disney, which is obvious, take Nike and Starbucks, who you brought up. These companies, the value of these companies are built on their IP. Um, so, and if anything, the most valuable companies these days are ones with these core IP, um, IP ownership. So why is it going to be any different? It seems as if, and this is always the problem with these supposedly demo democratizing, decentralizing technological revolutions. I had the same thing, Web 1 and 2, is all it does is strengthen the original players, the Nikes, the Starbucks, probably even the Disney's. I'm sure Disney are coming up with some sort of clever NFT scheme that will um, sell their customers on products that they hadn't already thought of yeah Iger said that they're they're uh you know uh, checking into nfts and is very optimistic about it but uh, i would characterize it as the startup companies are the ones experimenting with this new business model to grant ip rights to their nft owners uh nike acquired artifact the startup company which also had granted uh, limited commercial rights to their NFT owners. But it's more common to find that approach with startup companies and not traditional 20th century, you know, the traditional companies, entertainment companies that were before NFTs. Uh, and as I, I have a study that I looked at the top 25 NFT projects in terms of sales volume, uh, over 60% of them use this new approach granting commercial rights to their uh, NFT owners. Uh, now, as I said, we're still early. We're only, you know, roughly two years into this experiment. Uh, we, we are facing a bear market right now. So a lot of these companies, I think, are uh, hunkering down to weather the storm, so to speak. Uh, but uh, I think it's quite clear that they're trying to uh, use NFTs in a far more uh, collaborative manner than the traditional companies in the past. Let's end by going back to the AI revolution, GPT-4. Google have come out with their own technology for this as well. Could these two booms or what was once a boom, the, the crypto Web3 boom, uh, could they merge? Are there ways in which they intersect or do they exist in parallel? No, I think they certainly can merge. Even before the announcement of uh, ChatGPT, uh, there were many visual artists uh, already using 
uh, AI uh, to uh, help create their works. And I think what GPT does is to even expand the universe of visual artists who might be developing projects in NFTs um, to the extent that like this is their uh, livelihood or this is their uh, occupation to be a visual artist. Uh, so, you know, we, we are just in this vortex of uh, GPT where uh, in since December, uh, so much has happened. And I, I think uh, it's hard to even uh, sort of make sense of everything. Uh, but I see this as sort of helping to spawn more visual artists who, who will use NFTs to market their works. Uh, and then finally, is it conceivable that NFTs will become a defense against this insatiable, ubiquitous new AI, that it'll be a way for, take, for creators to really take control rather than allow these AI uh, platforms to replicate their creativity, their work, their thoughts, their words, their art? Well, I think we already are seeing um, a different tactic that probably might have greater potential in the courts, at least. There are several lawsuits already, copyright lawsuits, to try to say the use of these images uh, in databases is in copyright infringement. Uh, and that's going to be tested in the United States. There's a case in London uh, and I imagine there may be uh, that future cases in other countries that test whether uh, AI can rely upon databases that of images that, involving copyrighted works. Uh, so that, that is, I think, a hot button issue that will be resolved in the next two years or so.